Hello and welcome to Talking Toon Ticks with Ed and Tom. This is a podcast where we analyse family films and specifically animated children's films uh, through the lens of politics, philosophy, worldview uh, and whatever really we're interested in that week. It's very loose and it's just an opportunity for us to uh, share our thoughts um, uh, on on films that aren't too aren't too heavy, but are still about things. Yeah, we're this. Welcome to uh, Talking Toon Ticks, the podcast where where me, Ed, and my cousin Tom watch a movie and then uh, pretend to think about it, but instead just just jack off really really hard for like for like an hour hour and a half. And as you can hear, uh, Ed has firmly decided that although we're, it's a podcast about family films, this is very much not a pod, family podcast. I, I, don't, I don't think jacking off is, is not necessarily not a, a family thing that can be... A family affair. Yeah, it can be helpfully shared with... No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm digging myself a hole here, aren't I? um so we're still on the occasional swearing though that is a yeah it's a staple of the show yeah yeah but but healthy um, healthy good swearing that's good for you and your children yes yeah 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 you need you need the healthy balance and ed and i are gonna teach you (laughs) the way (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how how to swear <laughs> like an upright citizen too childless child. yeah right <laughs> <laughs> to rt ch- childless shirtless men <laughs> yeah we'll we'll teach you about the, the importance and health of, of family um yeah this i had never heard of this movie before you suggested it and I'm, I watched it, and I still don't really understand it or anything about it. Would you like to do the introducing oh, wow. of the movie bit? Well, the the film. It, this is a special request by me. Um, it's a short film, which means that we'll have a shorter podcast than last week's. Um, and I just this is just some a film that I've wanted to talk about uh, for a really long time, um, and it had a really profound. It made a really profound impression on me when I was very, very young. And it's probably, I've got to say, I think it's one of the first uh, things that I remember watching on television and being absolutely captivated by. Um, uh, the film 
if I haven't said already, is is called RARG. That's R-A-R-G. And if you type it into YouTube and just put animation, um, uh, you can see it for free. It's only 20 minutes. Um, and it is a, I think, a graduation film of a man named uh, Tony Collingwood. Um, and it was his graduation film from the National Film and Television School, which is a very prestigious uh, British television school, um, based just out of London. And so, uh, yeah, I, well, first, I guess we should, um, as it's such a short film, I think maybe we could do a little, a little teasing, sort of talk around what it is, um, in case anyone's curious and wants to watch it before we go ahead and spoil it. Um, because (laughs) I, (laughs) well, firstly, did you, did you, did you like the film? Yeah, it was it was enchanting. So I'll I'll will t- tell you that I went in sceptical and and a bit apprehensive because um, I just just British children's TV of that era is extremely creepy and. <laughs> And yes, has, to give, has, give some example. The era, by the way, is I think, is it eighty seven? Some I, I've I've IMDb says eighty eight. Of yes, eighty nine. I think it says something oh, as well. Yeah, I've got loads of yeah, numbers, but right. that's sort of wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me some examples of creepy British animation from that era. Oh well, I mean, the the big runaway thing was um, Watership Down. But that was like yeah. t- ten years prior, but uh, roughly contemporary with like the animals of Farthing Wood, I think, which is basically Watership Down too. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I used to love the animals of Farthing Wood, um, but there's creepier than that. What was the what was the what were the little mice on the moon? Oh, the clangers. The clangers, yeah. Yeah, um, I really like that kind of make. It feels very arts and crafts. Mm. Uh, Wallace and Gromit. Well, that's nineties, isn't it? Yeah, but it's, it's. I mean, even Wallace and Gromit is like less creepy. You can you can watch it and feel pretty safe about, like, not have to think about your own existence and mortality for. Like, oh yeah, all the thing is going on, but um. Yeah, um, just because I, I think I saw Watch It Down quite young and not knowing what it was, and it just, like, triggered a whole, whole load of shit just for... <laughs> um, just, I don't think um, I've ever actually seen it. I've read it. But that's a scary hmm. movie, isn't it? It's terrifying, yeah. It's, um, I mean, I'd like to do it on the podcast at some point, maybe. But um, it's... Yeah, the the whole thing is relentlessly fatalistic. It's it's like death is everywhere, and it's it's terrifying for a small child. Um, well, that's the Animal Kingdom, Ed. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but so anyway, yeah, I went into Rug thinking I have no idea what this is. So I mean, it looks all cutesy and fun, and it could turn like horrifying at any moment. Because that's what the British British animation in the eighties did. 
Yeah. When I think of creepy, though, I think of stuff like, um, I guess it's not British, but the, you know, the Jim Henson puppet stuff, like Dark Crystal and... Oh, and Labyrinth and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Really creepy. Well, I, I guess my pitch about Rog is that many people say that the film Akira was one of the key inspirations for the Wachowski sisters, The Matrix. Uh, and uh, what, what, and also um, many people say that The Matrix was one of the key inspirations for uh, Christopher Nolan's Inception. But really, uh, Rag to me, is, is the true inspiration of both of those films. <laughs> and... <laughs> You know how, do you remember how um, Inception, when Inception came out, uh, everyone loved it, but people were saying, but this is a film that's entirely based inside dreams. Why does everyone exclusively dream in, uh, have dreamscapes of big cities, urban cities with men in grey suits with guns and grey and black cars? And there's no you know, there's no kind of wonder and, and uh, um, bizarre imagery. There's no colour, like, you know. Uh, and then, of course, South Park really uh, brilliantly took the piss out of that with the In, in Sheepshin episodes. <laughs> when... Oh, man. Um, yeah. When they, they have the Inception piss take, but uh, st- uh, Randy Marsh can, can be a butterfly in this world he's like oh, look at Beeston I'm a butterfly oh man I don't remember that one at all I thought I thought you meant Imagination Land which oh it, no it was yes was it oh like... they uh, I think there's no 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 Imagination Land's different but in Sheepshin mm. or in Sheepshin is they they really it was fully going for uh, the Inception thing but um <laughs> uh don't you remember that at all? And they, they no. have these dreamscapes where people are running around and, and then suddenly there's like this gang of men just pile in and guns firing non-stop. The, the, tell you what, the only thing I remember is, is um, them doing trying to approximate the sound effects but just vocalising it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that every, every, every end of a scene is just one of the characters in the scene goes... Bwop. <laughs> but... So the reason I bring that up is that anybody that was disappointed by the lack of uh, bizarre imagery and colour and wonder and like, you know, the kind of uh, the fluffy, odd beauty of, that dreams can have, anyone that was missing that for an inception can, can just watch Rag, uh, which is about uh, a society, a world... Um, uh, which is just the figment of a man's imagination in his dream. And it's about a dream world. Um, and yeah, that's my pitch. And it, I just think it's... Uh, uh, I, it, it really just blew my mind as a kid. Um, and uh, it's only 20 minutes. If that intrigues you, uh, I have some notes uh, with, with key... Uh, reference points uh, for the matrix and inception here which i'm gonna go through but um <laughs> but yeah no i i it's i think it's a great short film with a really lovely uh kind of um 
concept uh, and a great resolution and it, it, it's a nice tight little with some lovely visual jokes and um it's mm. a mind it's a mind bending animation film which you don't have many of <laughs> yeah it's it's remarkably like like the 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 premise is a little bit complex it's much more complex than like something you'd expect your kids to be reading age four or five or whatever yeah did it did, i'm sensing that maybe it, it caused you a little bit of distress because <laughs> it, it was too existential for you <laughs> um no no just yeah <laughs> okay all right yeah. well no, that was yeah yeah that's my pitch if um if you want to see the true inspiration for the matrix and inception just watch this 20 minute student short animation film from, from 1989 uh yeah. called rog it's on youtube check it out um now we're going to run through the plot and then we're my, gonna my pitch thoughts. my pitch is oh is go on then. It's, yeah, yeah. um it's the same guy who is he's still doing like children's tv and and there's some re like he was instrumental in some really cool stuff what's what's the guy's name again tony collingwood tony collingwood all oh, right yeah. so you're familiar with his other work no but i just you know i just did a cursory amount of clicking through imdb oh but, wow like his his other stuff he's he's instrumental in creating a whole ton of of like really cool children's tv that's on now and he's still involved so oh nice like he like what um he's in charge of a bunch of the uh, TV adaptations of Dennis the Menace. Um, uh, he did Yoko, Jakamoto, Toto. He did The Secret Show. Um, I remember vaguely seeing somewhere something about him being involved in The Fairly Odd Parents, but I might have made that up. Okay. Um, yeah, wow, I'm not familiar of, with these. Of... The Secret Show is fun. Yeah? Um, yeah. Um, and it's yeah, it's all, it's all stuff that's been on TV constantly since two thousand eighty whatever that he was. Yeah, that this um, movie came out. So he's yeah, he's been working solidly in kids' TV since since Rag, and and it's all it's all good stuff. It's um, all solid so, kids' stuff. Yeah, yeah. The cat in the hat knows a lot about Christmas. Mm. Doctor Zeus. Wow. Okay. Well, cool. So we're in solid hands. Hmm. Um, do you, uh, shall we start then? So, Rag is a, uh, um, a magical kingdom, a world of peace and tranquility. <laughs> and I think it's got this lovely music. You've got this beautiful cityscape and very opulent houses, um, uh, almost like Paris, like Montmartre, kind of view of Paris from Montmartre. And, um, and the sun kind of creeping up and this beautiful uh, strings music, or is it? I think it's strings. And there's that lovely narrator and he kind of sounds like Jeremy Irons. It's Nigel Hawthorne. Right. He's, Who, he's, who's that? He's, he's someone my parents would go, oh, you know him. Right. Um, Right, yeah. this is the he's, one that parents get in in quizzes, and we're just like, who? Hmm. Uh, he's he's a big big time thespian. Been in loads of stuff. Oh, of course guy. I know him. I know his face. I've just looked him up. Mm. Yeah, he's in Yes Minister. 
Yes, Minister and Demolition Man with Wesley Snipes and <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Those are the top two hits, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, he, yeah, he's got a lovely, um, a lovely baritone um, mm. voice and um. he uh, introduces the world of, of Rag and peace and tranquility. And I, I just love that opening with the sun creeping up and he, and he says that the sun... The sun never, uh, never rose until it was absolutely sure that everybody in the kingdom of Rag was, was awake. And you see the sun kind of creeping up and down again, and <laughs> like tiptoeing out of a room. It's really, there's a, because it's a student animation film, I imagine it's quite, animation is quite costly um, just in terms of time um, to do. And I, I just, uh, you have to be quite clever with, um, how few frames you can use, and I think there's some, there's a lot of really, really good, like really effective visual gags that essentially just use one, one animation frame. Perhaps it's not quite the um, this opening sequence because you've got beautiful rays of light kind of moving around. So, but there's some other gags later in the film that really effectively. Uh, I imagine they're very effectively done, and they're they're quite cheap to to make <laughs> because it's only using one frame mm. but yeah um so this opening sequence introduces the city and you've got all these uh people with very small eyes and very big noses uh and they seem to be wearing fezzes uh <laughs> what do you make of that i have no idea it, it was it, again found it really creepy okay right like, like, like we're already it's... creeped out yeah, a little bit. Every, like, they kind of reminded me of you actually with those, those noses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they kind of. Yeah, later on they're all bald and they're all kind of just like these sort of obese-looking, looking spherical oh, beings yeah. that are sort of ungendered, spheroid human-like. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be like one mold for a Ragian. There seems to be several different species of Ragian. Mm. Yeah. Um, apart from the extras, all the extras look the same. Again, I imagine it's budgetary. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so you have this very opulent city and all these people, and it's all is right in the world. And there's this enormous library, and this is my first Matrix reference because it's just like Zion in the yeah. Matrix Reloaded. The way that yeah, it, it, all the books are piled up, and all the people are kind of walking around sorting them, and 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 essentially the 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 narrator uh, says that the sole purpose of every Ragian is to make new discoveries, and that's what what their life and their their raison d'être uh, mm. is to to discover new things about the world and the universe, and so knowledge is their greatest kind of uh, treasure and mm. uh, this library looks just like the matrix of zion now, um, now you now you've said the matrix it's like um yeah it, it it cuts to there's this whole i don't know if it's the library there's this whole area where they've got people discovering things like yeah all the scientists are packed away in like these individual booths like yeah, discovering yeah, yeah. things and they're all sort of plugged in with all these tubes and it's it's all yeah yeah it all looks really matrixy now that, that looks yeah like... definitely there's definitely some um i can't remember the name of the artist 
who did the main concept art for The Matrix. Um, it'll come to me in a minute. But uh, yeah, lots of tubes and, and kind of curves and kind of almost vaginal kind of shapes. Um, I guess that's also quite alien as well. Um, but yeah, that's one of the first shots that I'm talking about with that's just a single frame. There's There's just one image of all these winding staircases and little doors and above the door there's two words there's in progress and discovered and in in progress is highlighted in red and then when someone makes a discovery it uh, discovered highlights red and so you the camera it's just one frame of of animation of drawing but the camera moves around it uh showing you all these doors of all these scientists inside beavering away and you can hear uh, the in-progress sign is up, and then you hear a man inside go, oh and, and it goes red to discovery. And then you hear a, or something like that, and then it goes, bing, back, back to in-progress, and he goes, oh. <laughs> I just love that. There's some wonderful vocal performances in this that is just so oddball. Um, but yeah, mm. so you've got all these scientists, Beaver and Ray, and their little Matrix pods, making discoveries um and just one of the first really weird elements is that this seems to, i don't think the word kingdom is used um but just in terms of thinking about politics like what so this is a society this is a world in which everyone's sole purpose and reason for living is just to discover more about the universe there seem to be allotted scientists who do the discovery work Everyone else just seems to lounge around just enjoying the opulent city. And there's not a king, but a senator. Mm. And this senator seems to be completely useless. <laughs> and all he cares about is 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 receiving news of new discoveries. Mm. And he's just such a great character because he's um uh he's like a child that's had too uh too many sweets. Um, and he can't, and he's got no um, impulse control. <laughs> yeah, he just, yeah, he's throughout the movie, like he gets good news and starts like, like, like giggling and jumping, and then gets yeah. bad news and starts crying inconsolably. It's so and... funny. It reminded, yeah, I, I wondered what Boris Johnson would be like in his position. <laughs> um, he, uh, uh, and, and, but, but people report to him, so he's in charge. So I was just wondering about the power dynamics in this world. You know, this guy just yeah. insisting on all, on all these people bringing him new discoveries. It's kind of yeah. It's like the, the actual like government processes of this place seem like mysterious. But <laughs> it, there's one senator, which is like yeah, right. There's only weird. one senator. Surely he should be a king. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess there's an expanded world of Rog. This is just mm. one city. But but he's he's also sort of in charge. But but all the decisions seem to be made by just like public forum. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and and it, like there's very little disagreement, and they all just sort of pick something to do and then go for it. So it's yeah, it's it's fairly it's a fairly. Uh, simple and not 
like the, the lore is not particularly dense. It's just like <laughs> it's quite utopian, I guess. It's just yeah. do whatever you want as long as you're nice and uh, and you discover stuff and then report your discoveries to to the senator. Hmm. The single senator. His first discovery that we see him receive is, is a... Um... It's not really a discovery, is it? It's more no. of an invention. Yeah, and it's very, very silly. It's just an extra pair of hands that sort of clip onto the side of his head so he can play piano with... Yeah, like hands. Doc Ock. Yeah. He's like Doc Ock from <laughs> Spider-Man. And he, he's just so delighted being able to play piano with four hands now. I, I wonder if that bit of piano music that he then makes is like a duet and requires four hands. Oh, yeah. I well, we'd have to check that. Know. Yeah, we'd have to listen to it. Well, I'll get a musician. I'll get a composer to listen to it and see if it actually is a duet. That would be fun. Fun point to, yeah, fun... Good, good point to mention that all the music is by the London Philharmonic, and it's all original compositions, I, I think. And it's brilliant. it's wonderful. Music made in England, made in England, mate. Mm. Mm. Good. Sovereign. Yeah, it's coming home. Yeah, it's coming home. Oh. It's perpetually coming home. I mean, the thing is, though, if it had have come home, we wouldn't know what to do with it. Like that's you can't. Mm. Yeah. Did you watch the game? Yeah, I've, I'm not really that invested with it. But no, me yeah, neither, it but fun. it was still it was quite fun to get It was fun. Get excited for a bit. Yeah. Feel some kind of camaraderie with the rest of the world, with the rest of the country until... There was a tiny, tiny little animal bit in the back of my brain that when... Um, when... Was it Saka got fouled really badly? And oh, I pulled it, pulled his shirt, and yanked him straight onto the floor. I was just like yeah. foreigners. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. In the back of my head, oh, and I was like, bloody Italians. <laughs> They're well, always it. doing that. They're all like that. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting point that I guess we can talk about because it's political. Um, did you see the England game? Uh, England versus um, the Ukraine. Did you oh, see that be. one? I think it was on in the background and I was in the room. Yeah. Well, the England versus Ukraine game took place in Italy. Um, and you can tell because, you know, you have roving cameras. You have cameras that watch the audience and they pick out people in the crowd, mm. um, uh, you know, to put on the big screen. And I kid you not, it became where well, I was watching it at a friend's house and it became just this. At first it was funny and then it was just ridiculous and then it was just kind of sad and depressing every single time they cut to one of the roving cameras of the audience it was zoomed in on a conventionally attractive young woman dancing and it's just like oh. italian camera operators man you know like and then in wembley stadium you've just got shots of all sorts of different people you know old and young and usually groups um but in italy every single shot of the crowd was a beautiful young woman. It's just so disappointing. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. oh. Anyway, uh, uh, Made in England, yeah, it's coming home. It's always coming home. Um, mm. This is a good uh, product of England, a British product, I think. Rag. So uh, <laughs> they like their inventions. They like their discoveries. And... Um, Very low bar, um, but, but still still good. Like, like low bar for what's considered a discovery. 
put, but you know, yeah, it's all, yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. So good. Extra pair of hands, great discovery. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you got this scene when this teacher, who kind of looks like Dumbledore. No, he's not a teacher. He's a scientist, and mm. he's in his little like booth making discoveries. Well, he, he kind of looks like who does he look like? Dumbledore or? Uh, yeah, he's he's he looks like the like a wizard from something or other. Whoever's like Merlin or Ge- or, or geriatric. Or... Uh, get, no, what's his yeah, name? Yeah, um, Getafix. Getafix from Asterix. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you got that wonderful uh, teacher, a woman who comes in, and she doesn't have hair. She just has a book on her head that 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 is shaped like hair parted hair so mm. that was great and she comes in and asks if she can bring her class of school children in um and it's really it's a good gag in that you you never see you don't see what the children look like until she's left and they're all, they've all piled into the room and then the camera kind of zooms out and it reveals that they're all naked babies <laughs> like <laughs> But who can speak and they're actually quite articulate and intelligent. They're like little cherubs. They're probably the creepiest part of the film. They're extremely creepy, yeah. <laughs> the tiny babies. And th- yeah, for the rest of the thing, there's there's one baby that sort of runs the show. I know, yeah. The baby becomes the mastermind. Of... Sort of like the, the Greta Thunberg of this, this Exactly, of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a, a little cherubic... Uh, um, in a floating... In a little floating cradle. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, I love the teacher. She comes in and she says, can my, can my class come in and watch? Can they? Yes, 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 yes. And then, like, that whole bit of person between her and the, the, the professor is... It, it's great. Um, mm. And uh, he explains that he has sent information-sucking particles out into the universe mm. to find out the question... Where exactly are we anyway? <laughs> I like that. Sounds like a Monty Python kind of. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, the science is all wrong. It's not. Yeah, there's no such thing as information sucking particles. That's just bollocks. <laughs> it's made that up. It's clearly just made that up for TV. <laughs> so he he's he's received all these particles, and they have the meaning of of existence they've got all the answers to the nature of their universe and uh, all that's left to do is to to flick the switch and one of the one of the creepy little baby just says flick the switch flick the switch <laughs> and then and they all do it in chorus and then there's just there's a great gag there's one at the end it's like flick the switch <laughs> <laughs> it's so they're, they're all voiced by the same guy and yeah. it's, uh, it's like it's pitch shifted or something. Their voices are incredibly strange. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very it's creepy. Um, and the scientist is Michael Goff, who uh, I hadn't heard of except he's he's the butler, the Alfred in the the um, Tim Burton. Uh, Batman oh, movies. in Tim Burton's Batman movies, amazing. Yeah. And, just looking, and looking up his face. Yeah. That's so funny. If you type in Michael Goff, you get the goth kid from South Park. Yeah. You know the guy that's like, oh yeah, you goddamn conformist. <laughs> that guy. 
That's... Okay. I'll take your word for it that he's a prestigious British actor. Um, and so they flick the switch and they discover that the world of Rag is in fact uh, a figment of a man's imagination and he's dreaming. And uh, not only that, but his alarm clock is about to go off and wake him up, thus destroying the entire universe. So it's pretty high stakes. Mm. And it's it's like it's like it's going to go off in five minutes or something. And, yeah, yeah. But a, I figure, a... as in the Inception, mm, time there's... runs faster in the dream or slower yeah, in the dream. They, they have their big public meeting and they say it's you know, we've we've only got a couple of weeks. They they like explicitly yeah. say how it's like. Yeah, so it's, th- it's you un- see what I mean? Yeah. Christopher Nolan must have watched this film. <laughs> because, you know, the, the deeper down the dreams you go in Inception, the more time you have. Yeah. And it's yeah, the yeah. same thing that he did in in Interstellar when they go down on that planet. But A time moves of, faster down there. Sort of, yeah. I mean, except that's that's real. That. That's that's a real thing that does happen in physics. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, but no, but and... Rag is about dreams and the Inception is about dreams. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. The the, inter- the interstellar gravity thing that is a real thing that happens oh, right. and has a physical yeah. explanation, and the 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 inter- the, um, the, the yeah, Inception loves... Rag dreams thing is just made up. He just loves time, time, doesn't he? Yeah, he's so clever. I've still, I I just watched the, another, there are so many videos trying to explain how Inception works, how time in, um, sorry, Tenet, how time in Tenet works. Mm. And I've seen all of them and I just can't, I can't grasp it. There's a new one that actually like lays it out visually for you, like like the stretch of time (laughs) on a graph and it's, I've seen all of them. I can't get it. I just feel so stupid. (laughs) It's, yeah, there's like. Yeah, I know exactly that feeling and what you mean, just because you don't know exactly how clever the movie is being. Like, there's a point where if you think about it too much, you're thinking about it harder than anyone involved in the movie has been thinking about it. Yeah. And and you're actually poking holes in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you need to be exactly as clever as the movie. <laughs> I th- but there is a logic to it. There is a logic to it that does kind of stand up that I can't grasp because Mm. it's just um Mm. so everyone freaks out all the big nose public freak out because their whole world is about to come to an end Mm -hmm. but one of the naked cherubs see I like this yeah like you said he's like the the uh the Greta Thunberg Mm. of the Ragians because he's going to say that he's got a plan to to Mm. build a portal into the real world. Mm. Um, I, I just want to, I, I just want to pedal back just a little bit. The very, very first thing. This really stuck in my head because I'm cynical like that. But the very, very first thing that the the scientist professor guy says when when he figures out, oh, we're in this guy's dream. This is a brilliant discovery. I'm gonna be famous. Yeah, is what he says. Yeah, and. Am I misremembering, or does he get like dollar signs in his eyes? Like yeah, a, a I think he does. Yeah, or, or no, he he has um. 
uh, stars or something? Well, no, it's like a, he imagines a newspaper cutting saying greatest discovery of them all or something <laughs> like that. Mm. Maybe he does have dollar signs in his eyes. But yeah, it's just so it doesn't make any sense. Like right. this guy is I, I've just discovered that we're all going to die in two weeks. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's supposed to be an educated man. Yeah, surely, <laughs> surely he wouldn't be. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's not the inventor or the the kind of professor who comes up with the the plan on how to save the day. It's uh, the little Greta Thunberg uh, naked baby, creepy baby cherub, hmm. and the plan is to build a portal into um, the real world. Um, and there's a piece of narration here and there's some ir imagery here and i think this is what really captured my mind as a child when i saw this because this is the first thing i remember seeing on television um and it had such a profound effect on me just this image the narrator says and the entire population the whole population of rav pulled together to build this portal and you've just got all this enormous cranes and pulleys and all these people building this enormous like monument almost this huge and just the kind of i think it struck me or at least the way that i remembered the movie um was just the infrastructure needed for that or like what kind of society would that be i guess it would have to be like a communist society for everyone to like pull together for the common good in that mm. way and, and just labour intensely day and night to build this thing that's going to save us. And it's all, everyone's working in harmony. Um, and I, I, I didn't mention before that I saw this when I was very, very young. And the imagery in the film stayed with me, uh, uh, you know, my whole life. But I never knew what the film was called. And so I, I spent like most of my 20s, desperately typing what I could remember of the plot into Google to try and find out what the hell this film was because it blew my mind. This idea of this whole society pulling together to build this portal, to go through it into the real world and then carry the dreamer into the dream world. I mean, that just... Yeah. That's some heavy shit for a That's for weird. A that's, some, mind. that's some being John Malkovich level kind of. Yes, what, what being is... John Malkovich. There you go. If you <laughs> want to see the, the, the original being John Malkovich, The Matrix and Inception, watch Rag. It's for free on YouTube. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I love that. I love that all the buttons fart. Like when everyone <laughs> presses a button, <laughs> they fart. Um... So, I th yeah, I think that's that's one of those things that's like not even a conscious choice. It's one of those things that emerges from from being on a really tight budget. Just just because from my own experience, having like I don't know, make a I've I've made terrible little like video games and stuff for for playing in your browser and like fidgeting around trying to draw anything and paint for your you know all, all the artwork and stuff and um it's much easier than like looking for a sound effect to just be oh i'll i'll do the sound effects myself 
with my mouth. Yeah, so, you know, all, all the sound effects are, are or <laughs> ding, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I, I really love, like, when I make little, like, animated films myself, I just, um, I do everything. I do all the noises, all of it with my <laughs> mouth. It's, it's quite a fun oral exercise. Um, oh, wow, that sounded really sorted. Um, um so and also the way that i remember i think the imagery of them building the portal must have stuck with me and then i must have mixed in some gulliver's travels in the way that i remembered the film in the way that impressed upon my mind because i remembered the people being much much smaller i remember there being hundreds of them at climbing through the portal and i remember just this the imagery of all these cranes and pulleys and hundreds of people gathering around this enormous man and working silently the tension of that it the tension in this film dramatic tension of you can't wake this guy up because if you do your entire existence will evaporate and so you're climbing through this portal to lift him up and you're too small and you know in my memory there were hundreds of them with all these elaborate um, cranes and, and uh, uh, wheels and cogs and uh, all these devices to carry him through. And in fact, um, this was a, my, a, a slight disappointment for me when I finally found the name of the film uh, and, and, and watched it again. And it, it's actually only four men and they are smaller than the, the sleeping man, but... Mm. Um, and they're like four bald sumo wrestlers in pink onesies. Yeah, they're they're like it's it is delightful. It's but it's weird. Like like there is some lovely like physical humor and stuff in in this whole section because they they emerge out of the wall in this guy's bedroom, and it's these these four yeah hairless genderless blob people. And they're in, yeah, giant, giant pink onesies that are, it's explained as like they're soundproofed. Yeah. So I don't know if the people are massive or they're just wearing like giant cushion suits or something. Yeah. And they're also wearing earmuffs, I think, which makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why are they wearing earmuffs? <laughs> but they're, yeah, they're, they're soundproofed and they just crawl around. Yeah, that's in, such in... a ridiculous detail. Good point. <laughs> I never thought about that. They're wearing earmuffs. <laughs> they need him to wear earmuffs. They, yeah. Yeah. Do they put earmuffs on the guy? I don't remember. Yes, but they only put them on him at the end. Surely you put them on him first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they, but there's a great gag when his alarm clock, they try and get it off of his bedside table, but they're mm. too short to reach it and they drop it and then it goes off. But the two of them sort of grab each other and they they sandwich the alarm clock between them and it rattles, it goes off. Um, silently and muffled by their suits mm. and it I mean it's quite a it looks like a weird kind of sexual like sumo type kind of you know the way that they're sort of groping each other <laughs> with yes. this alarm clock going off between them it's pretty <laughs> I don't know it's pretty kinky <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's just me <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it's it's the way they're sort of straddling each other. One of them has his leg like right around the other one. It's really funny. It's a good gag though, and they think they think the alarm clock stops and then it goes and they relax a bit and then it goes off a bit more and they tense up again and they're just like holding each other really tight, (laughs) straddling this giant alarm clock. It's great. Um, So they carry him into. In, in through the portal into his own dream just a, as a concept for a kids film you're carrying a dude into his own dream that's just brilliant I just love that it's, it really uh, they, they don't make him like that anymore if, imagine having to pitch this it's like yeah, yeah. No, it's, a, it's a fun for all the family family highly intellectual existential children's movie yeah um, about uh, a world on the verge of destruction and um <laughs> Has some has some highly convoluted Christopher Nolan um dr- like dream traversal logic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and I think this is kind of the main, almost like the main set piece of the film, which really just the stakes couldn't be higher. Your your entire existence will evaporate if this man wakes up. Everyone in this community in this society has worked tirelessly tirelessly to 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 bring about the only plan that um that can save possibly save them and they're now watching in broad daylight it's a beautiful sunny day and everyone is watching deadly silent as they carry a mustached man in his bed into his own dream and everyone has to be silent and there's a moment when Someone nearly sneezes and they, they, someone catches them to stop them making a noise. And there's a moment with a, a bird that falls out of a tree and nearly lands on the sleeping man's face. And I remember that was my first experience of real tension in, uh, in visual art, I think. Like watching that on television, fully understanding the stakes of it. It just blew my mind. I, I don't know how old I was. I must have been about, I don't know, six or seven or something. But it just, yeah, it, it was gripping. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's quite, it's quite, it's really quiet for a really long time. Mm. And just all yeah. these people watching. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's something that you would have to really try very hard to, do, to get into a, a movie now as well. Like, oh, what, like a long a long sequence of silence? Yeah, I haven't thought about it very much, so maybe it does happen a lot, but, um, yeah. No, I, I, I mean, everything's very kinetic and loud, isn't it, and busy mm. nowadays? God, kids mm. nowadays with their marvel. Yeah, yeah, your, your, your Ant-Mans and... And the like. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they finally bring him to this enormous cushioned palace Mm. which is where my childhood imagination really took off because in my memory it was a giant pink like womb like dome Mm. um and they laid him to rest and i think that's where i really embellished it and i've sort of made my own version of rog in my head but they just the idea of carrying this a man into his own dream world and then laying him to rest in a giant pink womb, uh, a cushioned... 
it is a bit wormy. It's sort of it's all curved and it oval is. shaped, and it's pink and cushiony. Well, and... no, but that's the thing. It's not pink though. I remembered it as pink, but it's actually yellow. I remembered it as pink as well. That's so weird. Ah. Oh. Huh. But is it is it not just because I just rhapsodized about vagina? Maybe I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, prob probably. Um, <laughs> um, but it, no, it's it's yellow. Oh. Um, and uh, maybe this I'm is the moment because of what happens next. But... Well, it's pink because maybe you remember pink because all of the men, the carry, the the carriers, the bed carriers are wearing pink. Maybe yeah, maybe, that's why. maybe, yeah. Uh, and um, they lay him down, and and then finally, this is the moment when one of the bed carriers decides to put his earmuffs on the sleeping guy. Surely. Should have done yeah. that at the beginning of the journey. There's so many holes in this. Why? <laughs> like, like, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a billion things I would have done different if I were in charge. Build the cushion palace closer to the portal so you don't have to walk through the yeah, streets. Yeah, right. That's yeah. Why would you walk through the streets? There's yeah. all these people sneezing. There's birds falling. Make the no. portal so it comes out in the real world a bit further away from the sleeping man. And evacuate Rug. Just go into the real world. Like if if he's gonna wake up eventually anyway, he's not gonna stay asleep forever. Just right, so evacuate world. all the Ragians into the yeah. real world, Obviously. and that would be like I don't know. That would be like Westworld, wouldn't it? You know, when all the <laughs> it would be it would be like um it would be like Exodus, <laughs> gods and kings. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, like the the actual ex like the the Bible Exodus, like like Moses no, that that story leader. only exists in the imagination of Ridley Scott. With Christian oh. Bale and Joel Egerton. I thought that movie was based on the Prince of Egypt. Or is the Prince of Egypt based on Exodus, Gods and Kings? Either way, um, one of them is an original property that's mm. never... They just made it up. Right. It's not. And Judaism is based on the movie <laughs> Exodus, Gods and Kings. <laughs> yeah, Juda yeah, yeah, Ridley Scott invented judaism mm. um and christian bale is um jewish <laughs> is that is that right is he i don't think so no oh, okay he's an east end london boy he, is he? lots of lots of them are jewish he's Earth. yeah no that's right yeah uh. yeah yeah God, watch watch some interviews with Christian Bale. He's a complete, he's a nutter. He's he's a very compelling nutter. I watch. thought he was Welsh, or is did he make that up as well? Everything he says. Probably... I don't think he knows. I don't think even he knows who he is anymore. <laughs> he's he's I fully am method. Dick Cheney. I am Dick Cheney. Mm. Didn't he um, thank Satan in his? Like... Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Satan. <laughs> Um, so we're nearly at the end. So um, they lay him to rest in the pink womb, and they have these rotating sheep sheep above his head, and all is well. They completed their mission, and they close these enormous. I love the doors because the doors are literally just these giant yellow mattresses that sort of beautifully flop together, and the sound that they make, they go, yeah, it's it's lovely, and then everyone cheers. And they, they, they completed the mission and it really, you know, it, just like any other cinematic mission, like when they averted the, when they blew up the asteroid in Armageddon, um, you know, it, 
it goes down in the pantheon of of mission uh, successes. I think you're really not backing me up there. <laughs> no, no, it does. It's it's beautiful, and um, there's there's uh, there's a there's a same sex kiss in the background that they cut out of the international version. There's is not. I'm, I'm, no, right, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm doing a joke. <laughs> nice. Why didn't they just make Finn and Poe? Because they've got to sell the thing internationally, <laughs> and some places don't like that. And... Some places still don't like that. Um, so the guy is asleep in his own dream. Mm. Um, but then, unfortunately, or fortunately, he just starts dreaming about something else. Yeah, big, big twist, completely un, un, unforeshadowed, just, just, uh, lol, lol, random kind of twist right at the end. And I have no idea what it means or if it means anything, if it's meant to well, mean anything. Well, this is what just... I'm talking about. This is what, this is for all those people that were disappointed that Inception didn't really portray dreams as they actually are. I think just watch the ending of Rog. Mm hmm. Because everyone turns into pink flamingos. Yeah, it's just he just decides to dream of flamingos. Everyone, everyone turns into flamingos one by and one. And the senator decided that that was the greatest discovery of them all. <laughs> and that and that's the the kind of great uh, achievement for all the characters of the film that the senator thinks that it's the best discovery of them all. I've no idea what that means. It's so weird. <laughs> so the whole world, everything turns into pink flamingos, apart from the man asleep in his bed. Yeah. Um, and he's floating in space with pink flamingos everywhere. And if you think about that just for a second, he's been carried into his own dream and now he's just going to be perpetually, and he's still got the earmuffs on. So it's kind of like a Black Mirror episode when, you know, when in Black Mirror, they always have like someone is inside a computer program or, and they, they can't get yeah. out and they're, they're Tra trapped forever in an existentialist nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's um, just like that. So it, there's another, if you want to see the original Matrix Inception <laughs> being John Malkovich and Black Mirror, mm. watch Rog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rog, Rog is the original Boston Dynamics um, police dog robot thing. <laughs> yeah. They, they, yeah, there is a straight line from one to the other. <laughs> that's a really creepy video. Um, and that's the end of the film. And I kind of feel like I've shared all my thoughts on it. Yeah. Uh, so me coming into it thinking, what, what is this, like... In retrospect, I don't think it is. It means anything. It's a sort of a thought experiment, or like a just a fun animation, and isn't explicitly about anything. Like it doesn't have to translate to anything. But there, there are a couple of weird, prescient sort of parallels you can draw to, I don't know, the real world and. I thought it was sort of all about climate change. Yeah, yeah, so nice in, one. In my head, I thought it was, okay, so we've realised the end of the world is coming 
and they because they're a utopian society they they mobilize immediately and do a very effective treatment to nip the problem in the bud and they're all happy that it works yeah so and so that's a good message i get i guess that's, that's i think a, i mean i think utopian message i think that's in there i mean and it was hmm. made in 89 so there was a lot of um yeah climate change talk would have been around change stuff um, going on back then unlike now and the you know the 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 older older generation you know the uh the boomers or whoever are all like yay i'm gonna be famous and it's the the baby Greta Thunberg character that has to save everyone. So yeah. there's a lot of fun fun little parallels. Yeah, and then it all falls apart point. with the ending because if if you take the ending seriously in this reading that it's all about climate change, the message is now, well, we could get hit by an asteroid at any moment. So there's no point worrying about anything. Well, I, no, because they they all enjoyed if you're going to say that is is a freak accident like being hit by an asteroid the the mm. point is that I, I guess if you want to follow that line of thinking the the asteroid hitting is just a, a part of of nature and phenomenon and that's a wonderful thing too because it just is and and they're sort of celebrating it because they've lost all their lives they've lost all their books their library they're they're all yeah. just flamingos now you know yeah that would be nice it just I'd like to be a flamingo. Stuff just happens, and we and we have to pull together, um, and make the best of it, and try and, um, try and be decent to each other, and and mm. let's try and preserve life as much as we can. But if we get hit by an asteroid, or if we get turned into pink flamingos, uh, so be it. You know, at least That's we had nice. a good, a good, made a good fist of. That's really nice. I Try like to be good to better. each other. Did I actually? That's just off the cuff. Off the cuff, there. I don't. I, that's a much. That's a much nicer reading. Did that help? <laughs> I'm. I'm just depressively going. Everything's pointless. Yeah. But it's more like. Um, it's more like a slaughterhouse five Vonnegut type reading of. Yeah. Of like everyone be nice to each other, but we know the universe is going to end, and there's nothing we can do about it. Well, but, I kind of. I think all this is in there, to be honest, and and I think it is mm. a good thing to sort of uh, let gently let children know that, yeah, you can make best laid plans, but you know things mm. just happen, and and suffering is inevitable. And although there doesn't seem to be any suffering in Rog, apart from when they panicked about the end of the world, but then mm. they all pulled together. Did did you did you get? Because I I imagined in my memory of the film. I imagine it being a communist society. Did you get any of those vibes at all? Uh, no, I was like, because you asked me to do it for this, and and I, I was going into it thinking like, what what is right? What's political about this movie? Yeah. And yeah. the very one of the very first things that happens is it introduces the senator in his giant senate house, and I thought, oh, okay, it's like um, it's sort of like a benevolent dictatorship type kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, which it kind <laughs> um, of is, I guess. I don't know why they call him senator. They should have just called him king. Yeah, but he never actually wields any power. He doesn't, like, do anything. <laughs> and he's just he pathetic. <laughs> yeah. He's a child. Oh, my favourite uh, visual gag of the film is when um, they deliver him the news. They deliver him the envelope with the news that the world is coming to an end. 
and he he says, "Oh, a new discovery! I co- oh, I should save it for later." And then he just lays there in bed for a little bit and like <laughs> get, like bites his teeth, and he just can't possibly wait. And he he kicks his feet like a child. It's so funny, and he's wearing those little um, as what do you call them? Those stockings with those oh. little boots, those little elf boots, and the way that. <laughs> And then he tears the envelope open and he disappears. He sinks into the pillow. The upper half of his body sinks into the pillow. And all you can see is his feet. And they're together. And his feet are rubbing together, kind of like you would rub your hands together. And it's just so creepy and funny. Like his his uh, childish kind of um, uh, lack of impulse control. And in excitement, it's just, it's a very amusing piece of animation, I think. Anyway, you, so you were thinking benevolent dictator, yeah, right? Yeah, this, yeah. The, polit- the politics is going to come from this. But the, I mean, the reality turns out to be that it's like, the decisions are just made by consensus with everyone. The, like the public forum thing where they decide what they're going to do. There's yeah. a mild disagreement. Some of them decide to just sort of want to just be miserable and accept mortality. And the, the tiny baby Greta Thunberg is, is give, just gives a rousing speech and convinces everyone, which is exactly how it should be and how we are told how politics works, I sort, sort of, I think. Yeah. I think we're sort of told that all decisions are made by people discussing and through the Socratic discourse sort of synthesizer. You reminded me of the the Star Wars meme. You know, we should just have a bunch of people come together and talk about what needs to be done and then just do it. Padme Padme says, well, yeah, that's (laughs) what it's like when people disagree. Well, they should be made to... They should be made to agree. By who? By someone wise. <laughs> Not me, no. One of the, one of the best, mm. the best uh, political uh, mm. debates in film history. Down with sand. Attack of the clones. Oh yeah. Attack yeah. of the sand. I hate sand. Hate sand. It's it's coarse and it gets everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I used to I I used to love that. Film. It was so romantic. Oh. I really fell for that love story. <laughs> um, I read I read somewhere recently that it was like if you watch it again like it's one of these like folk headcanon type things like the um like you, like you know there's that theory that um uh it's secretly Jar Jar all along. Yeah, no <laughs> and th- you th- can... that's a really great turnaround the way George Lucas acknowledged how annoying Jar Jar was by having him be the one who mm-hmm. like uh, put the mo- motion forward to make uh, yeah, Senator yeah. Palpatine. So, so there's the there's, there's an actual like mildly convincing headcanon you can do if you rewatch them. It's that Anakin is force persuading everyone all the time. So in all the all the like scenes where they like Anakin and Padme confess love to each other, they're just staring at each other, and yeah. she seems not a hundred percent into it. And so so it's yeah. like it's completely. It's it's like consistent. Yeah, she does this... seem like she's been taken hostage. <laughs> <laughs> you rewatch. I don't know why I thought it was so romantic. I think it's just because I was in love with Natalie Portman at the time. I was probably fourteen, and in love with Natalie Portman. But I really fell for that movie. 
I guess no, it's the John Williams score that the the romantic theme for that movie mm. is just gorgeous. Um, mm. Yeah, I've still got time for the prequels. <laughs> ah, the prequels. So yeah, no, it's a good. Uh, I I think the the uh, environmental message and the young, the kind of the mm. young saving the day. That's a good. That's a good sort of political reading. No, for me, I actually. I was just trying to think of films that animated films that I wanted to talk about, and I just picked it because I thought it was interesting, and I'm sh- I was sure that we'd be able to find something political about it. But more, no, for me it was more philosophical. I just I love the idea that there's this short animated film that just poses the question, "What is the nature of reality?" Um, to children, mm-hmm. and that's all it needs to do. In in that, in that regard, it really is genuinely like a four i mean whether they saw it or not i don't know but it it is those ideas were being posed i mean i don't actually know the history of 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 that uh, of uh, uh what do you call it simulation theory who wrote sim oh. um i think you'll find elon musk invented simulation theory simulacra and simulation by uh yeah jean baudillard uh, and it was originally published in 1981. So, like, these oh. ideas that were very much infused into films like The Matrix in the late 90s were really, you know, kicking around in the 80s. And also I'm thinking about cyberpunk was really mm. going on um, then. And it's, for me, that that that's, this is a young, this is a student at the National Film and Television School who's got this wild idea for an animation, he's, he must be thinking about, you know, the nature of reality. And, and, he, and he just wanted to put that in a kid's film. I just think that's wonderful. Just go, hey, guys, maybe maybe none of this is real, or maybe this is being manipulated by someone else. Think about that, huh? And, uh, you know, just casting a... Um, uh, uh, what, what, Stoner Bros. You know, <laughs> you know think... <laughs> It's uh, it's the original Stoner Bro movie. You just watch it and just get high and go, whoa, yeah, I, yeah. I see that, yeah. Because I, th- I thought you, you always told me that the original Stoner Bro movie was um, SpongeBob SquarePants the movie. Oh man, I saw that film. I don't think I'd even smoked weed before I saw that film. Uh, when I. Yeah, before I'd seen that film, and I, that film just makes me, it still makes me cry with laughter. It's so ridiculous. The scene when they go to the bar and eat ice cream excessively, but even though it's not made explicit, they they behave like they're getting more and more drunk. Mm. And then they have this obscene hangover, and it just looks like they've been drinking whiskey all night, but it's it's just excessive ice cream sundae. <laughs> It just makes me cry with laughter. We should definitely do SpongeBob the movie. Oh yeah, have you seen the new one? There's like a CGI one. Uh, I think I've seen bits of it. The one with Antonio Banderas in it. Probably. I haven't finished it. I I didn't think it was as good as the first one. <laughs> the first one's got David Hasselhoff in it. Yeah, it does. And they and it's got it's got like some uh, nemesis like biker guy. That's taken directly from the Coen Brothers' uh, *Raising Arizona*, which is one of my favourite kind of pop art, like just um, 
cartoon. It's like a Wiley Coyote cartoon. Have you seen it? Yeah. Raising Arizona with Nick ages, Cage. Ages ago, but yeah. God, it's um, a wonderful film. It's like just a, so zany. Mm. Um, and the, the biker, the, the embodiment of all evil is this biker character that's just out to... And he's got, like, crushed babies, like, doll's heads, like, on his belt and stuff. And, um, and he's chasing after Nick Cage's character. And so they just use him, they lift him directly from that movie and put him in a Spongebob movie. <laughs> and he can, like, grow a beard instantaneously. Just, like, yes. just prove how much of a man he is. He goes, <laughs> Such a great film. Well... Uh, mm. Have you got anything more to say? That's you, us. You, no, that's, that's it. I think that's all I had to say. You've been yeah. listening to to um, uh, talking Toontics, the podcast about uh, Star Wars and and um, uh, simulation theory and uh, buy Bitcoin. Uh, um, uh, down with sand. Uh, uh, what, what else did we cover? <laughs> When did we cover Bitcoin? <laughs> Thank you for listening. Um, but do please watch this very uh, interesting experimental uh, animated film from 1989. It's, it's delightful. The music is beautiful. The, the animation is, is just... It, it, yeah, there's no other word for it. It's delightful. It's, and it's, it's, a, it's lovely. It's only a little creepy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.